Mind Body Musings. Today is a very special day. Today is a special day because today is the first day that I am doing an in-person interview. And this interview is with none other than Allie Tate Cutler here in New York City in her beautiful Brooklyn apartment. And we speak today about the pressures and the liberation behind being a plus-size model, as well as spirituality and community and exploration and life and taking new paths and, and twists and turns leading us to both where we are today. So get ready for that. Allie Tate Cutler is a Californian who has been working hard modeling for the past six years. In that time, she has cultivated a voice advocating body positivity and love for the environment, as well as being a leader in the health and wellness movement. She is also a certified yoga teacher. Allie has developed a unique voice in the curve industry as a healthy body advocate and an eco-warrior. She has created her own plus-size clothing line with sustainable fashion powerhouse called Reformation, which sold out. Allie also has a podcast on iTunes called The Love You Give, where she interviews inspiring people at the top of their fields in health and wellness. I was on it. Go listen. She also hosts women's circles in New York City for women to connect with others and facilitate deep release. In her modeling career, she has worked with clients like Mango, Ralph Lauren, Vanity Fair, Target, Lucky Brand, Marana, Rinaldi, Target, J. Crew, Madewell, Express, Nordstrom, and many more. Me and Allie first connected probably about a year or so ago on Instagram, just following each other, which led to watching each other's journeys unfold. And then she reached out to have me on her show. And then now we are here recording on my show. And I just love this woman. We have a beautiful friendship forming and she has a lot to say about the body positive world and a lot to say about the plus size modeling industry and what we can learn behind that and what she has learned and some of the things that she's still currently moving through of the pressures behind that world as she also explores the topic of her own spirituality. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I know that I have a new favorite thing and that is in-person interviews and we're still not exactly sure where we're going to end up living, my partner and I. Um, But wherever it is, I want it to be a place where lots of inspiring people live, either New York City or California, so that I can be doing these in-person interviews all the time. So I'm curious if you notice a difference in the energy and you like it. I'm curious if maybe you don't like it. Hopefully you do. But what changes do you notice in this interview being in person? Do you notice anything new? Do you like it? What do you want more of? More of this? Let me know. All right. If you want to get a free audio book, you can go to audibletrial.com slash mindbodymusings. You get a whole free book. You can listen on the car. You can listen at the gym. Listen wherever you want. And you will also get 30 days free of Audible so you can check out all their amazing features. I hope that you have just been having the most amazing year so far and you are not feeling too overwhelmed with all of the new year, new you messages because it's the exact same you. Uh, time is a concept, so nothing really has changed. <laughs> but I do think it always is helpful to realign your goals and just reevaluate where you're at and what you desire for the new year, what your intention is for the new year. I love the idea of having a word of the year 
And having that word in your journals, maybe you create some really beautiful piece of art, like a vision board that's all about that word and you hang that up throughout the year. Maybe this word becomes your new password whenever you log into password keep or one password on your computer. Maybe this word is somehow making its way to your phone's wallpaper. I don't know, but I do think that having a word is a wonderful way to have a limitless North Star, meaning you are not trapped in any particular way. It's not a goal that you have to achieve. And it is just a North Star that is shining light on where you're wanting to go in this new year in 2019. So I think that's a great way to go about planning for the new year, what kind of energy you want to bring in. I had a two hour long session with one of my favorite coaches where we just got really crystal clear on my upcoming year and what I'm going to be creating in this upcoming year. And one of the biggest things is my retreats. That's going to be one of the biggest focuses for me in 2019. So you are now able to just apply directly on my website by going to maddiemoon.com slash events and on that page you can apply. I am going to be having events and retreats pretty much uh, open for enrollment throughout the whole year so you can apply at any time. So when you listen to this episode and you want to be on the list, you want to have a conversation with me about my retreats, you want to learn more, go ahead and just apply. And who knows, maybe I have the perfect retreat coming up for you and I would love to slow down with you and hear your goals and your dreams and your challenges and what you're desiring from a retreat and where you feel stuck. Most of the time, the people that come to my events are simply creating a community in their life and they desire community and maybe there is a block there. And a lot of the people who listen, I think I talked about this on one of my more Uh, recent episodes but many of the women who come to my events are beautiful empaths like they just feel a lot and sometimes feeling a lot means it feels like you're feeling alone and you desire to be surrounded by like like like-minded women who are feeling with you and you can talk about your dreams that business you want to build that relationship you want to form in a safe space where you're being taken care of. You have food provided for you, food that you can eat because all allergies are taken into consideration. You know when to be where. You're taking care of. You're in a house with a fireplace and you're moving your body and you're feeding it with delicious food and you're just getting away and you're taking care of yourself and you're doing it with people who will be your best friends for life. If you want that this year at any point, in this year go ahead and send to me your information what you want out of a retreat and what you're up to in your life what you're creating and we will slow down together like i said that's at maddiemoon.com events with all of that said we covered the new year we covered audible we covered amazing ally i think it's time to go head on over to the show and listen to all the beautiful insights she has to share <laughs> You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie 
Patty Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. And welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is so exciting because this is my very first interview to ever do in person. And I'm doing it in the most witchy, beautiful den with twinkle (laughs) lights and the most beautiful body positive photos that I think I've ever seen in a podcast den. And I've never even been in a podcast den, so you already win there. How are you, Ali? I'm so good. Um, Me and Maddie just went out to breakfast in New York City, and I showed her one of my favorite places. It was amazing and delicious. And yeah, I'm doing so well. I'm I'm slightly PMSy right now, so just a heads up there. I'm very emotional. Are you? Yeah. You little cancer. Yeah. Aw. Okay. So where did we go to? Um, where did we go to lunch? We went to lunch at Gotan, which is like an Israeli place. They do shakshuka and, um, they do like sabich and they have acai bowls. It's really good. It's fresh. So, you know, earlier we were talking about places like cities and environments that like really speak to your soul, like Mm -hmm. on a soul level, you're like, I've been here before. And we feel like that about knowing each other. Like we've known each other before. That's how I feel about Israel. Like (sighs) it, have you been? Yeah. Many times. What did you go for? Did you go for um, I actually competed in the Jewish Olympics. What? Yeah, <laughs> what I know. <laughs> okay, so they're called the Maccabees, and I, I actually won the gold for soccer. They're like Jewish Olympics played like every four years around the world, and my year was in Israel. I am so mind-blown right now. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank Look you. This fun fact about you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really cool. Um, have you been as an adult, like in like recent years? Yeah, I've been, I was like three years ago. My parents have a house in Haifa. They sold that recently, but they go all the time and mm. they're very connected to our Jewish identity. They're actually, uh, they are practicing Kabbalah now at the place I told you called the tree of life. And so they're getting more and more kind of involved in their Jewish identities. And I think by proxy, so am I. So that would be cool to talk about. I want to hear a little bit more about your experience with the Tree of Life Mm. and what this mysterious place is. So this place, the Tree of Life, is somewhere that my parents, um, they have studied for many years now. And they study under a guy named Dr. Gabriel Cousins. He is um, a doctor, but he's also a rabbi. And he wrote a book called Conscious Eating, which is one of his more well-known books. And he's vegan. And for a lot of people, they think Judaism and veganism don't really go hand in hand, but with what he talks about, they really, they really do. And he at the tree of life has taken people through protocols of, you know, diabetes remission and cancer remission. And he does that through weeks and weeks of juice fasting. Um, and also kind of interspersing in a spiritual life. So my parents sold all their things, like sold their business, left Silicon Valley three years ago, and now they're studying under the sky every week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Juice fasting, huh? Mm-hmm. How do you like that? So I'm a plus size model, quote, plus size. Um, and when I juice fast, I tend to lose weight, which, you know, isn't as good for my job. Uh, because usually we have to stay at around the same measurements, but 
the way that I feel after I juice fast is amazing. I feel like cleaner, better, higher performing than ever. Um, I try to do one every year. Actually, really, how yeah. long? How long do yours last? The last one I did lasted eight days. Um, and, and so it's just juices, right? Like I juice. Juice. I, juice fasts are such a big thing, and yet I've never actually. I've never completed one. I feel like there's a lot of negative hype around them. Like a lot of people, you know, they're like, this is the detox craze is all based on pseudoscience and it's not actually like it doesn't work. But actually there's been a lot of science that's come out in the past two to three years, including the Japanese um, Nobel Prize winner who found that autophagy or which is basically cell apoptosis. It's when there's sudden cell death and that happens after the body has fasted for a period of time. That increases lifespan, it increases your immunity, it increases your overall health. And that came out about two or three years ago, that information. And so there's a lot of like science behind why juicing and fasting works for the body. I mean, if you think about it, when we were like cavemen days, there would be lean periods. We would go for periods of time without eating solid food. That was just the way that it worked. And so our bodies have evolved to go through periods of time where we don't eat. And there's a great book on this. It's called The Pleasure Trap. And um, this guy basically brings all this evidence forward saying, you know, your body is totally capable of healing itself. All we need to do is give it the time and space to do that, which means stop putting shit in it. Stop, like, give it time, like give it actual time to now process all the things that have been going into it day after day, year after year. So if you give it the time to do that, your body is totally capable of healing all the things, like including cancer, heart disease, diabetes, all of these things can be naturally reversed if you give Mm. it the time to do that. Mm. Yeah. So I think the reason why I hadn't done a juice fast, not I think, I absolutely know, but my story is all around being a bodybuilder and orthorexia and taking things way too far. So like a juice fast was if I was ever going to do one would be like to lose weight, to go all the way to like eat less. It was like a control mechanism. And I think that's really important to acknowledge that because for some people that's what, where their minds are going to go to. And it's absolutely not healthy. Yeah. But then what you're talking about, and I I'm now in that space, absolutely. Where the control thing with food is just like, I don't have time for it. Like I only have so much, I use 10% of my brain. That's really not that much. Right. (laughs) And so like, I want to make sure the 10% of the brain that I have and I use, I can direct it towards things that lift me up. But, um, I went to, um, Rhythmia, which I was telling you about earlier. It's a center for, um, mother plant medicine. I'll just say it that way. And we did, we had to stop eating after 2 PM for the plant ceremonies at night. And that's probably the most I have ever gone without eating is like 2 p.m. till the next morning. Mm. And of course, at first I was like, no freaking way can I ever do this. Like I got to eat all the time because I eat like every three hours. And um, it was a really, it was a really good experience. Like for me, it was mostly in the mind, like knowing that I could go past that amount of time for something bigger. Like I had a purpose beyond it. And what you're talking about, there's like this purpose for a lot of people to heal their diabetes or to heal cancer, which I find so inspiring that Mm. juicing can do that. Like it's amazing that people can actually heal their cells and their biology through the power of juicing. Yeah. I mean, the guy that wrote The Pleasure Trap he has a center called True North. And True North, I think there's a couple locations, but what he does is put people who are at the end of their lives, who've been told by conventional medicine 
that they're going to die, that they have three weeks to live. He puts them on water fasts for periods of 21 days and up. Just water. So what I do is a juice fast. I have, I still have nutrients coming in through my juices, but for people who are literally, you know, have nowhere else to turn, they go to True North and he puts them on water fast. And his his uh, statistics of of people that he has he has saved that are in remission mm-hmm. from when conventional medicine failed them is astounding. Mm-hmm. You can look them up. Um, and and his whole principle is that we are allowing the body time to heal itself. And the Gerson therapy does that. Um, Max Gerson was the guy that created that in the 1950s. Um, he's also about, he, he talks a lot about doing coffee enemas, which is something I oh, love to do. A coffee enema. I fucking love I've coffee done an, I've done enemas. I've never done a coffee enema. Yeah. That's your next one. I highly recommend oh. it. Yeah. When I was at Rhythmia, we did like um, Dead Sea colon cleanses. Mm-hmm. And like that was, ugh, was really weird because like... <laughs> So we were like, you sit like on your back, right? And you're like, your legs are up kind of like you're the gynecologist and they're like, just like listen to music and soothe yourself and like relax and chill. And we'll, we'll be back in and like an hour to check on you and take everything out and help you like, like, so they leave and you like go into your zone and like all the stuff starts happening. And the next thing I knew a man walked in to like help, like he needed to put something inside of one of the buckets and like change something out and it was like probably one of the most vulnerable positions I'd ever been in doing a dead sea cleanse with a really attractive young man that walked in and was like trying to be serious with me like hello ma'am how is it going do you want me to light incense sure you can light incense thank you while my butthole is exposed (laughs) I had a blanket over my lap fortunately but like that definitely I feel like we were talking about liberation earlier sometimes when you do things like that like not only are you physically being freed in some way but it's like you do like like this super embarrassing thing and then afterwards you're like hey I, I like that was really uncomfortable but I'm still alive yeah you know I do I do coffee enemas in my living room all the time and my husband like will walk by me and be like go to the kitchen and get his coffee and like walk out and he'll be like how you doing and like I'm great no way yeah okay so where does the where does the bucket go so I have like an enema bag and <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I love that this is the direction that the, the interview was taken um so I like put my organic <laughs> ground up coffee i boil it for 15 minutes then i filter it and i pour the filtered like water and coffee into the bag um and i take the coffee in through my Mm, anus mm, and then (laughs) i roll onto my right side and that's very important for the coffee enema Mm. to actually stimulate your bile production you can hear it squeeze it squeezes all your bile out. So by the if you have it in your you're supposed to retain it for 15 minutes. At that time, your blood will have circulated through your body four times. And a coffee enema can stimulate your glutathione production by 600 percent What is your glutathione? So basically it's an antioxidant and it goes through your body and it's uh it cleans it, it cleans it up and it can pull out heavy metals. So it's actually a really good thing to take an activated charcoal and then 15 mm. minutes later do it. So you're pulling out a lot of stuff out of your body and then you go excrete and I've seen crazy shit. Mm. I mean, I didn't mean to say <laughs> like crazy shit, but there's been crazy yeah. stuff that have come out before and I've seen parasites come out before. Oh, have you really? Yeah. Cause I, I've done a parasite cleanse before. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see anything. I don't think I was looking super closely cause I was like, that's weird. I don't want to do that. I don't see anything. Mm-hmm. Um, what is what is it? What was it like when you like had a parasite? It was gross. You know, you're but what do you it mean makes, you got it. I don't. I you know I travel so much that it could have been from anywhere, and I mm. I have a lot of raw juices. 
So like it, you, you when you eat salads, when you eat, when you have like a raw unpasteurized things, you're more likely to pick up parasites. So it could be from anywhere, but like, honestly, when you see them come out of you, you're like, I just want to do this more because I don't want any of that in my body. Oh, that's so, that's so crazy. Yeah. So whenever you're doing like one of these cleanses, do you pretty much just go about your day eating normally? Like go back about your week eating normally? Or do you have like set times where you're like, I'm doing a whole shebang. Like we're getting these parasites out. Yeah. Like usually I won't do a coffee enema if I'm not detoxing because I don't actually I I read many studies saying one either way like it's okay to do enemas every week and then other studies saying only do enemas and colonics when you're detoxing because Mm. that's the time your body needs a little bit of extra support to get rid of the toxins that are building up in your colon so when I'm detoxing I do my enemas and my colonics usually I don't do them if I'm not detoxing Um, even if that's a one day like just green juice you know, mm-hmm. and then at the end of that, when I wake up the next morning, I do three enemas in a row. Three in a row. Yeah, I mean, usually the first one you you like hold in, you can't hold it in that long. And like the more you do it, the more comfortable you are with holding it inside. And you really want to hit that fifteen minute mark with a coffee enema because mm-hmm. that's when the magic happens. And I swear, like I don't drink coffee, but you feel high after like you feel like Mm -hmm. I walk through town and I'm like hey what's up (laughs) like I feel like I'm like in a musical and people are like magnetized to me because I'm operating on such like a clean high level Mm -hmm. it's great yeah it's like it sounds like it's taking like your normal everyday morning poop to like the extreme level like this morning I was gonna go to kundalini and then like it's nine o'clock class which means from where I'm at in hell's kitchen right now I'd have to leave pretty early to get there and like I like like my morning routine includes going to the bathroom and like my body needs time. I do drink coffee. I love coffee. Mm-hmm. And my body needs time to like have my coffee and then like go to the bathroom and like it's that important to me that I would rather have my morning routine so that I stay consistent than go to like a yoga class even though it's yeah. super fun and great. Um it's like like a dog after you take your dog out they're like super excited and happy. Totally. Same thing. That's how we are. Yeah. Okay, anyways, <laughs> greatest intro ever talking about poop. It's been a long time since I've talked about that on I love the show. That. I love poop chats. Yeah, it's, it's important to talk about. Yeah. I really do think so. Um, okay, so you were talking about um, like being a plus size model and how you have the pressure of not losing weight, which is something that most of us do not like understand or even like come close to knowing that kind of pressure right. because yeah. we live in a society, obviously, with the opposite. Yeah. Always lose weight. Yeah. So I'd like to go a little bit more into your background into getting into modeling and in in like just let's like start there because I'm okay. really fascinated on how you even got into this definitely so uh I moved to London I was studying abroad there and I played soccer for 20 years I'd always been a bigger girl I was a goalkeeper like because when I was 10 I was just bigger than all the other girls I wasn't like I wouldn't say I was like overweight. I would say that my bone structure was just very big. And I I was always taller than the boys, taller than the girls. And so a lot of the time I felt out of place that way. Never did I think that modeling was ever going to be an option for me. Um, I moved to London to study abroad and I played for a soccer team there on the Wimbledon team. And when I was at a hair salon one day, I opened up a magazine and I saw that there was a advertisement for UK's next top curvy supermodel. It was like a competition that was happening and they were looking for a UK 12s and up. And I was like, oh, well, I'm a UK 14. Like, what is this? You know, kind of thinking when I first heard of a like they didn't say plus size model, but 
when I got to the competition, they said that's what they were looking for. I kind of thought Anna Nicole Smith or, you know, one of the girls I'd seen previously kind of in that market. And I didn't know how I felt about that because I had always been so insecure about my body for my entire life. I went through stages of bulimia. I went through stages of working out. You know, I'd go to a four hour soccer practice and I'd get home and I'd run five miles. And I went through these extreme stages and all the while my body was not losing weight it because I am the size that I am. I was always the size. And I was just in, you know, deep bouts of depression from the state of my body. Even though I played division one soccer at my, my university, I was a starting goalkeeper. I was ranked number one in the big West for a little bit. I should not have felt the compelling over, you know, desire to lose this weight when I was so physically active. And, um, so when I signed up for this plus size modeling competition, I, it kind of validated all the worst things I thought about myself at first. I thought, wow, I really am plus size. I really am like kind of just overweight. Like I've thought my whole life. So I, I was conflicted when I first did it. Um, and then I, and I proceeded to get through each round of the competition and I ended up getting a contract and I got signed with an agency and I decided to stay in London and see it through instead of go back to California and play soccer because it was just such a random opportunity. And I also met the guy that's currently my husband and I just didn't want to leave. So I stayed there and I was modeling and it was unsuccessfully at first. The first two years I didn't work. I was struggling to put food on my table. I was struggling to make rent. Um, it, it, modeling did not come easy to me. It did not. It was hard. I had to learn how to be feminine with my hands, with my face. I mean, I remember the first test shoot I ever did and I started crying right when I saw my photos because I was mortified that that's how I looked. My, I just was like, oh my God, I don't know why I thought I could do this. I don't know why I got signed. I was just convinced I was so not able to do this. And over time, I, I, you know, going, still going through these kind of stages of depression because I was acknowledging, I wouldn't, people would be like, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a model. And I didn't want to say I was a plus size model because that would be vocally validating all the bad things that I had thought about myself. I didn't want to say it. And so I was going through these feelings at the beginning of modeling. And then I started to see more and more plus size models, what they really looked like you know, quote, plus size models, you know, and they were amazing looking. They were curvy. They were redefined. They redefined what beauty was to me because I got to see that instead of, you know, being this like skinny celebrities I'd seen my whole life. Well, these women are equally as beautiful and they're bigger than me. And so what does that say about the conditioning that I've received my whole life? I mean, it really kind of it made me think about all of the unconscious um, assumptions I'd made and the passive receiving of media that I had just taken and, and taken in and taken in and how that had made my life worse, much worse for years, you know, living in these, in this fear of my own body and my own worth. Um, and then I started, you know, as I continued modeling and I, I started going a little easier on myself and I started practicing how to move in the mirror and I practiced what was a good angle and bad angle for my face. And, you know, that was, a, there was a lot of rejection, a lot of criticism. There still is. Modeling is a really tough career that way. You have to be rejected so many times 
I can't even tell you. I mean, I'm probably, I'm rejected all the time and I don't even know about it because my agents, they'll tell me what jobs I book. But, you know, for the one job I book, I'll have been said no to by 20 others. And so you have to develop a really thick skin. And so in some ways I have modeling, plus size modeling to thank for A, the reconditioning of my brain to see bodies in a different way and to see body image in a different way and develop what I would now call a body positive approach to life. But also I have it to thank for the tough, uh, the toughening, like soccer toughened me up, but so did modeling. And it, it did it in a, in a way that I can now face rejection quite easily. I can just be like, Oh, I didn't get it. Well, then that wasn't for me. You know, if it passed me by, it's not for me. So it's been, it's been a six or seven years since I started modeling. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's been a long time. Um, but you know, even now today you're saying you, you know, you have, you struggle not to lose weight. Yeah, that's a very real thing for a lot of plus size models. It, it seems crazy. It seems contrary to everything we've been taught about models, yeah. right? Because a lot of these skinnier models, they can't go past a certain measurement. They always have to lose weight. For plus size models, up until recently, you had to be a certain measurement on your hip or else, honestly, like you just wouldn't work. Um, I was 42 inches around my hip for a while and my range of jobs like the job pool that I have is very small because most people wouldn't book me and I also had to wear padding I when I tell people this they think this is incredible but I had to wear padding to make myself look bigger on my hips and padded bras and because you know wow the client won't book you unless you look like you're a size 12 or 14 and so I went from being I'm never small enough I'm never skinny enough to being Oh, if only I was a little bit bigger, if only my hips were a little bit bigger and my boobs were a little bit bigger. I mean, that's crazy. That's still, I'm still, you know, dealing with the issue of me not being enough, but I totally understand from the client's perspective. It's like, well, we need a girl that represents our clientele, which are going to be a size 14 and up. But from the model's perspective, you know, we're going to do what we have to do to work. This is our job. This is our livelihood. So if I have to wear padding, if I have to put on some weight, I'm going to do it because this is how I'm putting my food on the table. Mm. So, um, you know, it's been an interesting road, really. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just trying to imagine having those pressures from both sides and also staying so true to yourself because it sounds like... I mean, you're, you're human. So of course you're going to have these moments where you're like, I wish I was this, I wish it was that. Because I think we all struggle with that to some degree, but you're getting it from all different angles. Mm-hmm. Like you're already going against the grain to some extent, like to a big extent of what the world is saying we need to be as women. Yeah. And then you're going against the grain, but then going in the pursuit of going against the grain, there is still like in that community, in that world telling you that you need to go against the grain more. Yeah. Or you're not quite there. Yeah. Um, I had like three questions that came up for me during this time. I think one thing I really want to know and ask you about is like with the plus size label, do you think that it are like, is that empowering to some way to say I am like the plus size model and, and I'm owning it and reclaiming it? Like I know that they're in body positivity. There's a lot of different words that have gone through the process of being reclaimed by mm. people in those different areas, like yeah. reclaiming of words. So is plus size a word or a, an, an, an area of business, a plus size model that you feel powerful in reclaiming? Or do you think that having that 
be something we still refer to as instead of just model is taking us back mm-hmm. or it's it's keeping us from moving forward. You know, that's a, a debate that's been going on for so long in the plus size community. There's been a lot of advocates on both sides of the fence. One saying that um, we should just be called models or we should just be called people. There shouldn't be classifications. But for the women who are size 18 and up, like they need those classifications because they, they're like, well, I can't go into whatever store and go find my clothes. Like I need to know that they have my size there. So, you know, they need to know, are they going to have my size in the store? So I don't know. I'm kind of a, on the side of the fence where I think that classifications aren't necessarily a bad thing. I don't, I I don't think that putting people into certain, I mean, there, there might be certain classifications have been demonized. Um, like obesity has been demonized Mm. and fatness has been demonized and, and, the opposite has been glamorized. So I do think that that happens. Um, but ultimately I don't see that classifications are inherently evil. I think they're just a natural human way that we use, even in our animal primitive brains from, you know, caveman days, we look at things and we go, okay, that's a tree and that's a twig and that's that kind of animal and that animal I can eat and that one I can't and that berry I can eat and that I can't. We have classifications to keep us safe and to to make the world a little bit more ordered in what is actually a very chaotic world. I don't see classifications as being a bad thing, but I actually have also am the opinion that, you know, there's there's room for both sides to be right, room for both sides to be wrong. I don't really take a firm stance on pretty much anything anymore. Because I really realized that uh, I I know so little. You know, I know Mm -hmm. so little. The more I learn, the more I realize that it's never black and white. Life is never black and white. It's so nuanced. There's all shades of gray. And the older I get and the more wisdom I accrue over years and years of kind of diving into life, I realize that I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And so all I'm saying is that, you know, I think... If, if someone doesn't like the term plus size, drop it. Don't use it. Mm. If you do, if it serves you, keep using it. Great. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think it's an inherently evil thing. Yeah. I, I love that mindset. And I think that's so powerful in like the, that the, the reclaiming of words, like just about those stories we've created over the past 100 or so many more probably years around what's good, what's bad, what's better, what's worse. Like, and we're in this, I think we're in a very powerful period of, um, of not just our lives, but the existence of humankind where I don't know. I mean, I wasn't around as far as I know throughout all the different stages of what's amazing with bodies and what's not maybe in a past life. I've certainly experienced that, but I I feel like this is one of the biggest, um, pivotal changes in what, like, like, what am I trying to say? Body positivity, I don't think, has ever really been a thing. Mm-hmm. And if we go back many centuries ago, like what was beautiful then is very different from what's beautiful now. You see those in like those Instagram videos or Facebook videos that's like women of the ages, and it shows you like all the different bodies of what's popular, what's in, and then there's like women of countries, and like shows the the videos and snippets of what countries resonate with what bodies. Like this has been going on for forever. Totally. And I feel like this, like I'm looking at your pictures right now and your beautiful podcast den and they're like body positive photos. I, I mean, do, don't you think this is fairly new and like we are experiencing a time where 
we are finally saying like, it's okay. Like what we're talking about now, it's okay. If there's different classifications, that's fine. Let's actually look at the meaning around the classifications, our beliefs about what's good and what's bad, what's better, what's worse and change that right. rather than attacking the classification. Let's mm. like do better. Let's do better by letting those words exist mm-hmm. rather than saying, well, that's not good and pointing fingers and being upset about totally. that. Totally. Yeah. And I think what you said body positivity being a new thing. Totally. This is a new thing. This is, um, it's been, you know, well, if you look at what also is rising at the same time as body positivity, we're seeing the rise of women's rights. Mm. We're seeing the rights of black people's rights. We're seeing the rise of animal rights. This is Mm. the time where there is a reckoning of the powers that have been in power for so long and have held that power through keeping others down. And an example of that would be, you know, keeping women feeling that their bodies are never enough. We always have to be skinnier. We always have to be curvier. We always have to be have plumped up lips. Mm. We always have to be this or this or this. It's always going to be something else, right? And really, if you if you ask yourself the question, who is profiting off of the belief that I have right now? Who is profiting off of me thinking that I am not enough? Because mm-hmm. someone is profiting. Oh, yeah. There are many billions of dollars yes. they're profiting. It's a big business. So in that way, we're looking at the powers that have held this power and going, huh, I'm not playing. I'm not so dumb anymore. I'm figuring out your little game here. Yeah. And I'm realizing that loving myself and loving my body for all that it is, is actually an act of rebellion because now I'm stopping to feed through money and through power and all these other things we've been giving these powers we're stopping that and we're pulling it back. And the same thing, you know, women are the whole Me Too movement. And, mm. and you look around and you see women are taking back the power that has been stolen from us. And we've been oppressed for so many thousands of years. This is a new a new thing for everybody. And we're also, I'd also like to add on to this. I think when I'm on social media a lot, I see a lot of people um, getting outraged all the time at what people think because, oh, this guy was a dick and he said this and this person said this and that was, you know, insensitive. And this person, there's people crossing lines that, and these lines are relatively new and we're still learning them. And I think people want this change to happen and they want it all at once because there's been such oppression for so long that we're like, now, now, now it needs to change now. But we also, what I would like to see is humans be a little bit less judgmental and a little bit more loving and compassionate while we go through these changes. I mean, you know, I don't expect everyone to think what I think right now. And there's a lot of other people who, you know, might be a little bit more evolved in their opinions of something. And like, I need to go through the experiences that I need to go through to get to that evolution. Like I might not be there yet. So if we can be a little bit more patient with each other, that, you know, I totally understand when people call someone out and are like, you know, you said this and that was insensitive. Fuck you, blah, blah, blah. I never think that those words and that hate is ever warranted. Mm. But I do understand calling people out because we need to learn and grow each other with each other. Mm-hmm. And when we call people out and call them out on their mistakes, then we can allow them to see the error in their ways and then grow. Mm-hmm. But let's do that compassionately. Let's Let's be loving in our approach to having people change. I don't expect everyone who doesn't agree with me on, you know, that there should be more models, um, of all sizes in the magazines. I'm not going to say, you know, fuck you for thinking that I I don't think that's the right way to handle this, but I, I do think we need to be 
softer and more delicate and more gentle in our approaches when maybe not everyone's consciousness is at a level that we want it to be. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and and like going off of what you're saying, it's really important for us to understand like the part, I mean, of course there's anger and there's a way to experience that anger from a place of sovereignty where we're not, we're not, I think whenever you say like, fuck you, you did this to me, you, 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 I'm not disregarding the experiences people have had because there are many people listening to the show right now that have gone through some pretty terrible experiences. Um, And it's important to go through that period where you are mourning and grieving and you're angry and you feel all those things. That's how we also get to deeper consciousness. That's how we figure out what's true to ourselves, what's authentic to us, how we want to see the world change. And I don't think that stacking unsafety on top of unsafety is the way like making it more unsafe for others a lot of times our own unsafety our experiences of the world where we feel like we're less than we feel shushed or silenced we feel um uh, oppressed like we just feel pain and so our pain and our feeling of i'm not safe in this world oftentimes we cope with that by making others feel unsafe and i don't think it's malicious and i don't think it's on purpose but by saying fuck you you're actually making other people feel what silenced and oppressed and scared and so we stack it on top of each other and again like i i i so feel for all the people in this world period like i just feel Mm. for all the people in this world i think sarah avant stover says in one of her books simply being alive is a traumatic experience every day (laughs) like walking out of your door is a traumatic experience like there's a lot of noises there's like there's like darkness there's like um, just cr- crazy things that we see, especially being here in New York City. Like, just just a lot here. And, like, there's a lot around the world. So simply being alive, having a heartbeat, and, like, opening your eyes, there can be a lot of trauma experienced every day. And that's why I think our practices are so important. And I just wanted to share also, you said something about, like, how we have been oppressed for so many years, and I was reading A New Earth. I've just been, like, devouring oh, this book. I love that it's book. so good. It's so good. And he says that, this blew my mind, I didn't know this, but he was talking about the Holy Inquisition, and that three to five million women were killed in the Holy Inquisition, and you were, as a woman, going to be killed by cuddling animals, walking in a field by yourself having like a sweet soft smile like you could do the most gentle things like imagine walking in a field of flowers and all of a sudden someone comes and grabs you and puts you on a stake and burns you three to five million women like i just got goosebumps Mm -hmm. it's insane and here we are today being like why do i feel quiet like why don't i feel soft Mm -hmm. why don't i let my femininity come forward why can't i love myself well it's probably because three to five million women during the holy inquisition were freaking burned at the stake and raped and sold and all these terrible terrible things so going back to your compassion like i think we need more than just compassion for ourselves we need compassion for the person in front of us we need compassion for all women. We need compassion for all men. Yes. Because we're all deeply flawed. And at the core of each person is consciousness. At the core, we're all the same. Like, we all come from the same big bulb of consciousness, wherever it is in the yeah. world. We're all, we're all going to go back to it one day. Um, but it just, like, I think that kind of perspective really brings things back in of, like, it's our ego that gets the most upset in moments of heat because it's trying to create separation between you and I. Because that makes us feel better, is having that me. This is me and my experience, and you're over there, and I can say shame on you and all this stuff. But, like, again, that's the ego. It's not the part of you mm-hmm. that's your deepest consciousness because that part of you is twinsies with that person over there. Totally. I mean, and going to what you said, hurt people hurt people. They really do. And we need to 
we need to, I mean, I know we've all been through a lot of traumatic experiences, some more than others. And that is to be, as you said, expressed, relieved. Do not hold that anger in. Do not hold that resentment in. Try to release it in healthy ways. And I can, you know, I'm sure I can give you some examples of what those would be. There are many other people more qualified than I who can tell you healthy ways to release trauma. There are a lot of people out there. But in that process of releasing the trauma, let's not put our trauma onto others because Mm -hmm. it's too easy. That's the easy Mm -hmm. way. I mean, how many times have I come home from work and had a bad day and I yell at my husband because he's the Mm -hmm. first person closest to me that I can put that negative energy onto because I don't have to deal with it and I don't have to look at myself. I don't have to do it. It's his problem. He's made me mad. He didn't have dinner ready on time. Mm -hmm. Now I have to go shower and get dinner ready. I'm going to get to bed late and I'm going to be tired for work tomorrow. It's all his fault. I mean, it's super easy to do these things. But what we need to do is really take the space, take the time to look at the issues that we are dealing with inside of ourselves, the deep traumas that are there, very understandably there from situations that have occurred to us as children or later on and we need to deal with that and turn compassion Mm -hmm. from that experience because when we can turn our you know compassion on in ourselves when we're dealing with our own traumas we can do that with others and same thing if we can do that with others we can do that to ourselves and I I just can't I I look around all the time and I just see all the time examples of we need more compassion here. We need less judgment here. Mm-hmm. There, I see that every day, all, especially like with modeling. You know, how many times am I in a room where people treated me like an object and don't like acknowledge that I have a mind and a personality of my own and I am treated like, you know, just like a mannequin, honestly. And so I, in, in moments like that, I practice my compassion. Because I'm like, okay, these people don't know, they know not what they do, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to try to turn on my compassion. And it's, and it's hard. I'm not saying this is easy. This is super hard. And it takes practice, just like anything else in the world. But it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is so good. Um, I, I remember earlier in our walk today, you were also talking about forgiveness. And I think like that goes absolutely hand in hand. And like, if you're doing this work, especially if you're listening to these podcasts and you're, you're reading Eckhart Tolle and you're going to meditation retreats, like you are the person, and I'm just gonna be very blunt and honest. You are the person that's responsible for in that situation of heat for raising the consciousness of that. Because we, if more people thought that way, I'm not saying that the other person is off the hook, but if everybody took responsibility, not fault, not blame, but responsibility, it's very different. That's more sovereign coming from a place of empowerment to be the one to slow down. And, and by no means does that mean being perfect. Like I got, in, I was telling you earlier, I got into like a fight with my boyfriend yesterday and I just, did I sound like a conscious person? No, like definitely not caught in my most conscious state. Yeah. Um, and so it's not about being perfect and it's not about like, damn, I didn't come from a place of consciousness and compassion because then that in itself is you not giving yourself compassion. So if that happens, don't go into the guilt cycle, the shame cycle, like be very loving to yourself and then extend that love because you can't extend the love if you're not giving it to yourself first and foremost. Amen. Okay. Whew. Juicy stuff. Like we are like both like revved up right <laughs> yeah, now. Um, I wanted to ask you this is like random question that came in my head. What is one of the most memorable experiences you've had on a shoot? 
Mm. weird, amazing, terrible, just something really memorable. So there was one time when I was asked to shoot a nude shoot. It was the first time I'd ever done it. It was with a famous photographer named Rankin. And I was so nervous because, you know, A, this was the beginning of my modeling career. I still was not okay with my body. Like, I still was in this process of working, of being like, okay, I'm a bigger girl. And, like, that's beautiful, too. I wasn't there. I was working towards it, but I wasn't there yet. And I was told I was going to shoot nude, and this isn't a photographer you say no to. You know, he's a big guy. And I showed up on set. There was, like, 20 people around me. I didn't know, all doing things. I didn't know what they were doing on set. Did my hair and makeup, and then it was my turn. And I had to, like, take my robe off and be totally naked in front of, like, 20 strangers who were, like, adjusting the light on me. And I remember sitting on this, like, clear plastic chair. And I was, like, there was a guy adjusting the rug underneath the chair. And I was, like, this is insane. Like, you can see everything. Like, if you, like, I just remember feeling so vulnerable at that moment. Yeah, the clear part. Like. Yeah, like, why? Like, don't. (laughs) Just choose, like, a colored chair. I don't know. And, he like, I just thought. At that moment, I was like, wow, I'm truly, you know, the most most vulnerable mm. I'd ever felt. My All of my perceived flaws that I kind of thought I had my whole life, because it was so body-obsessed, were on display. Like, everyone could see them. And then, as we were shooting, and I got into it, I kind of started to feel, like, free. I was like, wait, all my shit's out right now. Like, there ain't no secrets anymore. Mm. Like, they're all out on display here. And since then, I've done, like, probably 20 more nude shoots, and I love them. Yeah. I love nude shoots. And, Mm. you know, not in, like, a kind of, like, a a way where it's coming from a place of, like, witness my beauty. Not at all. It's coming from, like, a wild woman way. Like, where this is my raw essence. Like, I feel like I am hiding nothing, and I can truly be free to be myself. Like, when I do nude shoots now, I'm, like, you know... I like spread it. Like I'm just like out. All like, the clear chairs. Yeah, I'll give me everything. All the clear. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so it's really, it's kind of helped me in my own evolution mm. of myself. Of ultimately, you know, where I want to go with this plus size modeling thing, which is, and with my body positivity and these things that I preach. Ultimately, the end goal is to transcend the body. We're so hyper fixated on the body in this culture. We're hyper fixated yep. on the material, mm. the the tangible, the physical in front of us. And I think the real magic happens when we start to go in, into our internal worlds and we start to get inspired by the magic that we can't, you know, necessarily see, but we can feel. And so when I talk about body positivity on my Instagram or you know, when I, when I do these shoots and yes, it is about being beautiful and selling clothes, but more than that, I hope that plus size models will be able to remind women and show women that the body that you have is okay right now where it is, but let's get to the next level past that because we're constantly on this treadmill of evolution, right? Mm -hmm. What's the next step after that? The next step is Let's move past the physical body. That's not important. I mean, it's important that we keep it healthy because it is the vessel of our soul. And so let's keep that healthy and in great shape because, I mean, ultimately, I think we are here to learn and to help others. And if your body is not healthy and in good shape, you cannot do those things well. 
So yes, that is important, but ultimately let's move past the obsession with our bodies because the real juiciness is like in the soul work. And so like, that's ultimately, I think what I'm doing is just one stepping stone to the next thing. And the next thing is, you know, the spiritual teachings and the meditations and breath works and internal work, the internal work that we all need to do. And I think like what you're touching on right here is one of the most important whys behind, let's just start with body acceptance. Like with body acceptance, this is the deeper why. It's not just so that we can have less anxiety. While that is amazing and very important, when we are hyper-focused on our body, like going back to the 10% of the brain thing, like we, we really, and I think besides the, the pain we put our actual physical body through whenever we're dieting extensively or trying to fit into the certain corset or whatever you're doing, I don't know. Maybe not a course that's not really today anymore. I don't know. Um, I, I like if you're spending all this time thinking about it, that's a lot of time thinking about calorie math. Okay, we're going out to eat tonight. I need to make sure that the drink I order is this many calories and this and this and this. And then and then next morning, what am I gonna do to get a workout in? How much like how many reps am I gonna do in sets? And then how am I gonna compare to this person next to me? And like what are they gonna wear? And what are, what is she gonna wear? What is she gonna talk about? How do I fit in and look cool next to her? Like that is so much mental space being filled up. Absolutely. We have no people are are desperate and thirsty and hungry and craving spirituality. Even if you don't know it, I think everyone is craving it. Everyone's craving connection. Yeah. I'll just start there. We're, we're craving connection. And if you are like, it's just uh, math. Like, it's just math. If you're spending this amount of time thinking about your body and your clothes and ma- the material world and, like, how to be perfect, that's going to create anxiety and maybe depression and maybe, a, like, in so many different ways, it's going to be limiting what you're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Like, time-wise, but then also mentally and emotionally. Mm-hmm. You can't feel your feelings deeply about that painful breakup you had that you never got to feel if you're too busy feeling the feelings about the fear of eating too much. You know, like you can't go into those deeper levels. So I love that you're pointing out like the why behind all of this is that we can go into the spiritual realm. Like we can have the connection with the divine. We can be in a Kundalini class or we can be in a breathwork class or a dance class. And it's not about just, just embodying, which is incredibly important is embodying and being in your body, but then also like spiriting. Like I'm, that's not a word, but like being with (laughs) spirit and being with something bigger and beyond you and like being giving getting a new appreciation for having a body because when you are creating a connection with spirit like you're gonna look at your body and be so thankful because you have a body so that you can feel that yeah if you didn't have a body there's i mean you might be a flower and maybe a flower feels like the spirit probably but like you're not gonna feel the same way as a human does Mm -hmm. we have the the gift like we won the lottery getting bodies and being humans like we really won the lottery we're freaking crazy yeah yeah (laughs) i totally agree yeah um yeah wow that's really powerful stuff Mm. this is you're right like in-person interviews are so fun aren't they great this is um, like my new favorite thing yeah i'm so glad we're doing this okay um i was gonna ask you like with the nude photo shoot do you recommend like everyone does this Mm. I recommend that you do it from a a space of, um, make sure that you're doing it with the right intention because it can so easily become a vanity project, right? Mm -hmm. Like it can so easily become like, 
oh, you know, look at my little nice round booty there. Like, Is that okay, though, or no? I'm really <sighs> curious your thoughts on that. I still think that's okay. I still think everything's okay. All things are okay. Yeah. I really do. But <laughs> I think that um, they that can become a distraction. It can become a distraction from the truth. And the truth mm-hmm. is what we're talking about, the spirit mm-hmm. and, and our evolution as souls and whether or not you believe in these things at least to some degree everyone believes in connection so that's where the truth nuggets are if you Mm. feel more connected doing nude shoots by all means do them if you feel more like like raw wild in your essence then do them I was kind of forced to them because this is my job and through that I discovered that there was a little bit of liberation to be had and so, yeah, I think that can be had by mm. whoever is searching for that. Yeah, mm. definitely. Okay, so I have two things about this. First one is, um, one of my retreats, I hired a, uh, I always butcher this word, boudoir. <laughs> boudoir. <laughs> a boudoir. Boudoir. I hired one of them people. Yeah. Um, actually, one of my really good friends, her name's Lauren, and I brought her in, and every single woman had a photo shoot, and it was really cool, and it was oh. on my bed. So, like, one at a time, we played music, they went in there, they took, like, beautiful photos, I told them, you're, like, welcome to dress with as much clothing or as little as you want. And so a lot of the girls put on lingerie, and it was just, like, the last day of the retreat, it was so fun, everyone did their hair and makeup. I want to bring that back, I think in one of my um, next retreats, I'm going to be doing that, because it was, like, just such a beautiful takeaway, like, being able to take away a photo of you, really, like after knowing that you were just surrounded by beautiful sisters and then you're like really in your body and they were glowing. They were just glowing with like this, like in their skin element. But also what I wanted to say, like New York is amazing. And somehow I was on someone's Instagram and another's and this girl had this picture that was, she was like covered in light. Maybe you've heard of this. She had like light, just colors all around her. And I was like, that looks interesting. She's like naked. And there's just a a splash of light on her. And I went to the photographer that took that. And there's a guy here that does these things called light baths. Hmm. And he gets to know you, who you are as a soul, what kind of music you like, poetry you like, your mission in this world. And he creates a light um, kaleidoscope like screen. Like it screens on you like a movie projector. And so you stand there and then, and then he shines the light on you. So you're being bathed in light and most all of his photos are nude. And so it's like naked people bathed in light of like, like some of the ones are like, they really look like kaleidoscopes, just like blocks of color, really vibrant. But then there's other ones that have like newspaper looking one that has trees and I reached out to him and I might be getting a shoot. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. I know. I'll send you the information. I will. I mean, everyone's probably going to want to know who this is now. So I'll I'll put the Instagram on the show notes for this. But uh, I've never done a nude shoot. It's funny we're talking about this. I think think there's something there, of course, if you use it with an intentional way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that it can be empowering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, Okay. What do we talk about now? (laughs) Tell me about your new direction in life. What are you interested in? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I... I've been modeling for so long, and at the same time, I've had this budding interest in my own spiritual growth um, that kind of grew alongside my parents as well, and I have, I mean, I've always been interested in theology and philosophy and and the more mystical pursuits, I would say, uh, since I've been a little kid, and I don't know, probably from age 23, I really started to feel this. I had a Kundalini awakening 
um, when I did my first juice fast and I didn't know what it was and I freaked out and, um, I've had a couple subsequently what is from them. So it basically is, um, it is said to be when the female energy runs along the spine and it activates the different chakra centers of the, sp- of the body and it lights up and it goes up and it exits through the crown of your head. And this is the divine energy that runs within all of us, but it's specifically the female form of this energy, Shekinah energy. And Shekinah. Shekinah, yes. Shekinah, Shekinah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so when I had this, my whole body like broke out into hives and I was sweating and I started to freak out a little bit. And then I asked the instructor what had happened. And he was like, oh yeah, that was a Kundalini awakening. I was like, Mm. okay, well chill. I don't know what that is. And it's so weird from that day forward. I, I've just been drawn to anything mystical and wow, my journey into these things have come deeper and deeper and deeper. And I went through a really hard time two years ago where my relationship was crumbling with my partner. My relationships with my friends were breaking up all around me. I, I felt like I was radioactive. I felt like I was like the most despicable, disgusting person. Really, I did. And this came years after this kind of awakening. And later, what I you know, feel has happened was that was me shedding a lot of deep things that I needed to let go of. It was a really hard time. I'm now at a period of my life where I feel I have let go of a lot. I've let go of a lot of trauma. Not saying by any means that it's all gone or that I have nothing left to work on others. You know... This is like an onion. You Mm. peel back one layer, there's another. Peel back another layer, there's another. So there's always more. But I feel that truly since I've started on this spiritual path, instead of looking out to the world, physical world for my answers, like in buying things or doing things that is going to cover up the pain, I now look inside. And life has become a lot easier for me. And I've subsequently got my yoga teacher training and um, I do breath work all the time and I help facilitate women's circles. And since I started doing these things, I realized, you know, I have a lot to share with the world that I think can help. I have a unique story and a unique experience as a curve model and a soccer player, but also one that is so interested and involved in healing And, um, now that I've started, you know, co-hosting these women's circles, I, which is something I've totally been uncomfortable with hosting a space, public speaking has been a huge, Mm. (laughs) huge fear for me. And since I just push myself into it, I feel things accelerating. And since then I started my own podcast where I interview people about spirituality, I get to talk to amazing people like yourself. And I feel like I am just, you know, vibing. Like I'm in this part of my life right now where I'm like everyone I meet is being put in front of me for a reason, Mm -hmm. is taking me to another stage of my own consciousness. And so this new direction I'm moving in is to hopefully fuse my modeling career with that of uh, spirituality and, and, and helping others. And so I'm starting to facilitate more events where the fashion world is meshing with my spiritual world, which is weird for me. But I also think that that's one industry that's so starved of that connection and it's really necessary. And so I'm, I'm trying to, um, you know, create a space to allow people to come and, and to learn and to process the things that have happened to them or for Mm -hmm. them, as I like to say. But I think that 
um, that's my new direction. And to I'm going to keep modeling because it's obviously, you know, it's given me a great platform um, and it gives me a paycheck. But I also want this to be a little bit more than that. I want it to be a little bit more conscious than just modeling. So um, I'm excited for mm. what the future holds. Mm. And I think I'm so much more than what I've been limiting myself to being. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't show on the outside at all. Like, it's interesting. Not that we identify with labels and like what we do is who we are. That's not the case. But I will say that I, I view you as a spiritual mentor, spiritual teacher, spiritual like guide in the world above the modeling. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because I, I don't know how we connected on Instagram a while back, but it was I on I Instagram. I wrote you. Yeah. Well, it was, I, it was before that though. Like we had already been connected on Instagram for a while. And even though I knew that you were doing modeling, like I still knew also that you were like in the spiritual realm and you're so knowledgeable. Like you're whipping out all these facts and you've had a Kundalini awakening, which is like so, <laughs> so cool. I talked to someone else about this once and he was saying how it's like a serpent going up your spine, which is really interesting when you use the word shed, like you shed these layers, like mm-hmm. serpent kind of Ooh, coming up. Yeah. yeah I like, got that visualization yeah. of like the dead skin coming off a snake, which you're totally into, like given the, all the bats you have hanging up in mm-hmm. your witchy podcast den. Yeah. So cool. Um, but I, I love that you you remind me a lot of uh, Ruby. Who does the who wrote the um, Mystic- Ruby Warrington? Yeah, yeah. What's her book talk called? Uh, Material mis- world and Ma- Material world, mystical girl, yeah, something like, like that. Like the fusion of that. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for for those worlds combining for you, and yeah. I'm ex- I feel like in some way we should create something. Together. I think so too. We've got two podcasts underneath our belt now, but I feel like there's something live where yeah. both of us are. Both of us are going into this space of public speaking, which, like, obviously we can speak, but then, like, public speaking. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and it's so interesting because, like, you're a model, so all these eyes are on you. I'm um, super uncomfortable with it still. Like, any more than five yeah. eyes on me, I get beat red and break out in a stress rash. Which is, again, also me. Like, yeah. it's so... The stress oh. rash, like, I, it's either whenever I'm, I'm scared, I'm horny, I'm mad, I'm, like, embarrassed. Yeah. Like then that big bright red rash arrives. Yes, same. And it's like come since high school and it really like it's debilitating when I get it. And so the past few times I've been holding these circles, I preface it by saying, guys, I'm shit scared to speak to you. I hate public speaking. So like if I break out in a red rash, like just bear with me. And honestly, Mm. it helps a little bit Mm -hmm. because then people are in this ride with you, you know, Mm. not, I felt, I guess I felt scared to publicly speak because I felt people were judging me and like, and were witnessing my being who I was and they could reject it. And so now I'm, I'm coming from a different space and I'm just seeing like, I've got a message that can help people. And that's the the only thing that matters. So fuck my ego getting in the way. Totally. Yeah. Uh, your circles, what are they like? You do moon circles. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. My uh, the women's circles I I kind of lead are ones that we pick a theme, and then we go around. Usually a traditional women's circle, I would you know intro everyone, everyone say their names. They would invoke a powerful woman, dead or alive, into the circle with them, and Ooh. then we would talk about um, a theme. For example, forgiveness. You know, mm-hmm. and we would journal about maybe something that you haven't forgiven yourself for, or something that you haven't forgiven another for. And I really think forgiveness is at the heart of a lot of all the issues, the spiritual issues. And I highly recommend to anyone listening to this, if you just take a piece of paper and you write down a list of names of people that you have not forgiven, or maybe 
have not forgiven you and you go through and you write down and then you write down I forgive you and and actually picture yourself hugging them and forgiving them mm. things will start to shift I promise you I have done these meditations and they're very powerful what is the specific meditation that you do the one that I do is called Ho'oponopono Ho'oponopono yeah it's a mouthful it's a Hawaiian meditation and it's um the story behind it was about a doctor named Dr. Len who had a, a, a hospital for the criminally insane and he oh. ended up clearing the whole hospital. It's This story sounds unbelievable, but it's true if you look it up. And he ended up clearing the whole hospital by meditating on the names of his patients. And to each name, he would say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Over and over and over again. And now the hospital's totally gone. Everyone's cleared out of it. And it's Whoa. a very powerful Hawaiian healing meditation. Where do you find it? If you look up Ho'oponopono, you'll see it everywhere. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I discovered that word a while ago, but I thought it was just like a way of life, mm. which is well, also great. Yeah, yeah, it's also great. Um, but like the, I, I think like Tong Glen is a um, forgiveness meditation as well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I like it. I enjoy it. But that, I think there's something really special about that word. And I love anything that's symbolic with tradition. Yeah. Like, and, and that story is amazing. I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah, so I, I will do that with the women in the circle. We'll do a meditation. Sometimes we'll do a breath work. And we'll do partner exercises. And it's it's just so many people are starved of communities mm-hmm. of like-minded people mm-hmm. who they can truly connect with in a deep and profound way. And you don't have to go there and talk about, how was your day? The weather was not good. My work's not... No, let's get into the real... Totally. deep juicy shit yeah yeah, and I'm sure like the people that you you run with in your circles or the people who follow you or come to your your women's circles like they're they're deep sensitive women like they're empathic women most likely like yeah. or they have that within them but living in this hyper masculine world they're they're feeling detached from it and I know that a lot of people I say women a lot I really just mean people but I, I think a lot of people are really struggling with like first of all just saying I'm sensitive like that's a huge leap for a lot of people is saying I have the capability of feeling sensitivity that because a lot of people's like families are like no suck it up move on don't cry you're too emotional you're too sensitive so these circles are so incredibly important because it's facilitated for you you don't have to be the one to break out and say let's all finally feel our feelings because that's hard enough to do on your own and that's why I love I love that you're doing these circles and I, I just love circles and retreats and anything like this in general because you get a whole group of people who are probably going through the same thing because that's how the universe works. It's like you, 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 and you. I want you all in the room together. Mm. Do you find that way? Yeah. Like the universe kind of helps orchestrate who totally, arrives? Totally, yeah. Mm. I mean, I feel like the people who come to the circles, like they're all swift friends after and it's because yeah. they were all destined to meet each other and help each other on their own journey some way. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's some mm. divine intervention that goes into that. Okay, so I don't know how long we've been doing this, but it feels like it's been like a really juicy conversation. Yeah. Should we go into the divine deep dive round? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. all right, cool. See how long I can just remember my questions without looking down at them. All right, number one. Who are your teachers and your mentors? Uh, one of my spiritual teachers has been my mom. She has um, been with me every step of the way, helping me evolve and grow and always seeing everything that happens from a deeper perspective. So I've been absolutely blessed in this lifetime, in this incarnation, that that woman is my mother. 
Um, very, very lucky. I would say that I've learned a lot from Eckhart Tolle. I've learned a lot from James Aspie. Um, I've learned a James lot. James Aspie. He's an Australian animal rights activist. Oh. I've learned a lot from are him. You, are, you an, are you a vegan or vegetarian? I am veggie. I still eat eggs. Veggie. But okay. pretty much vegan. I like, kind of got that feeling. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's I've learned beautiful. a lot from him. I've learned a lot from Gabriel Cousins. Um, I have learned a lot from my yoga teacher, Emily Kuser. Hmm. Yeah. That's refreshing. Like the mommy thing. Yeah. I like that. What does your tea fortune say? Your tea bag fortune over there. Oh, damn. I didn't even know I had one. I, I just saw I had one and I was like, she's got to have one too. Oh, yeah, you do have one. Okay. It says, a garden is a delight to the eye and a solace for the soul. Mm. <laughs> okay. Okay, chill. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what is your favorite coffee shop in New York City? Um, my favorite coffee shop is probably Toby's Estate on North 6th. What's your favorite boutique in New York City? These are like really selfish questions. <laughs> I don't know where I need to go. You're just going to go to all <laughs> yeah. these places right after. Um, my favorite boutique would probably be... I don't think I have a favorite boutique. Find one. I don't really like a clothing boutique. No, it's just any like quirky cool shop. There's one on Bedford um, and Bedford and North Fourth that's really good. I don't know the name, but there's like a lot of weird shit in there. Okay, I like weird yeah. shit, so we should yeah. find that out. Um... Who is your favorite artist of recent? I was going to say 2018, but like any artist that's coming to mind. Okay. Um, like music artist. Oh, music artist. Yeah. Um, probably. Ooh. Um, I love Lonnie. L-A-N-Y. I don't know this person. Lonnie. They're like, a, it's like a boy band, but they're super oh, cute. Oh, are they? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, uh, what's your favorite meal right now? I love this question. Mm, I mean, I've been having, I've been doing the celery juice challenge. <gasps> so I've been waking up every morning having celery juice. Oh, and I have to say that that's been amazing. So that's my favorite meal right now. I really want to be on board with this, but with my traveling lifestyle, I don't know how. It's hard. I know. I, I actually Googled yesterday if you can bring a Nutribullet with you on the plane, but you can't. So what can you, can you put it on your... You can put it on your if you check it in. Well, can you can you do a juice with Nutribullet? Oh, you yeah. have to. I do. I Is get, it a juicer? Yeah, no, it's a Nutribullet. I blend it and then I strain, strain it. it. Okay. Hey, well, maybe I'll wait till I'm in California because we had to fly here and then then I'll have my car and I can yeah. put it in there. Yeah. But I want to do this because I've I like I'm just it's blowing up yeah. right now and there's so many amazing stories about it. Yeah. Okay. Who, if you were going to. If you were like had to marry an actor like tonight, I mean you're already married, but let's just say in this dream world, Zac Efron. Zac Efron. Yeah, really. Yeah. Over Seth Rogen. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that I'm like. Is that because I'm Jewish? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Zac Efron. He's vegan. He's hot. And he's vegan. I yes. didn't know that. And he like loves cuddling with goats and cows. Oh. Yeah, he's that's cute. He's my man. He's my hall pass. Even though we, he's us. not, I hope. <laughs> Dream world. Yeah. Um, who is one of your most like influential body positive peeps out there? Mm, I would say probably. I mean the 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 first one that comes to mind is Ashley Graham, but that's just because my respect for her as a model, like how much she has accomplished, 
when everyone told her she wasn't going to accomplish that. So that comes to mind. But if I was going to go for someone else, I'd probably say I like Charlie Howard. Um, Hmm. Yeah, she's cool. I don't know her. Cool. I'll check her out. Yeah. All right, two more questions. What is your spirit animal? Spirit animal, I've actually like had a meditation about this, and the one that came up for me, I was super disappointed with. Mm-hmm. Um, a ladybug apparently is my spirit animal, but apparently, like that's super auspicious and like a really great spirit animal. I mean, like what spirit animal isn't great? I guess, but yeah, uh, I was not happy with that at first because I was hoping I'd be like a lion or a jaguar or an oh. eagle, like the classics. But I was a ladybug. How so. did you say jaguar? Jaguar? This Is that how you normally say it? I don't know. I, I don't was watching know. Mad Men, and they were, like, getting the car, you know, in the yeah. advertisement, and that's how they said it. Jaguar. I can't do it. <laughs> jaguar. Like, I, and I, every time I hear that, which is actually just the second time now yeah. of you, just now, um, it's really pretty. Say it one more time. Jaguar. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. I want to get on board with that. Yeah. All right. My last question for you. Um... What is one of your favorite holiday traditions? <laughs> um, I would say opening presents on Christmas. Again, even though we're Jewish, we're not religious. So we still have a Christmas tree presents. and we have Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. We have a Christmas tree out right now and Matt has... I think 10 presents under it and mm-hmm. I have one present. Left. Oh, damn. And it's from his aunt. Oh, my God. So, well, I mean, right now, what is it? It's the 14th of December. He has plenty of time. And I'm not trying to publicly shame him on here. I'm just, this is healthy motivation, right? Yeah, this for is, sure. He'll, he'll listen to this. I'm sorry, Matt. I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. She loves you. Um, yes, I do. I know the presents are coming and they're going to be amazing. Yeah. Anyways, this has been so much fun. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Um, you can look on my Instagram. I don't have a Twitter because that's just one too many social media outlets for me. So go on my Instagram, Allie underscore Tate underscore Cutler. Um, my podcast is on iTunes. It's called The Love You Give. And yeah, it's pretty much my main methods of communication at the moment. And if anyone is curious in your offerings that are coming up, mm-hmm. how can they find those out? Well, I'm going to be doing um, something with Bandier on January 20th. It's going to be a, a two-part event. I'm hosting it with another woman, Patricia Moreno, and we're going to be doing an event on forgiveness. I will be hosting the Women's Circle, and she will be doing a little workout class at the end. And um, I'm going to be hosting Women's Circles coming up in the new year, so just uh, watch my Instagram and you can write me about any offerings I have. I'm probably going to start putting together an email list just because like that seems like the natural, easier for me, easier for everybody. Um, but yeah, January 20th is my next event. Amazing. Thanks so much for like an awesome day. Yeah. And an awesome podcast interview. Thank you. And welcoming in, me into your beautiful home. Of course. I'm in love with it. Your I energy think I is very here. welcome here. Thank you. I feel really great about it. Good. Yeah. Everyone, if you want to check out the show notes for this, you can just go to my website, maddiemoon.com. You can get all the show notes. You can check out her amazing links, see what she is up to. And please let us know what you thought about this episode this interview did you feel a difference since we're like live together like did you enjoy it i would love to know your thoughts so you can head on over to the show notes leave a comment you can go to instagram and comment on the photo for this episode as always i will see you next wednesday bye bye bye